0: Good morning. Welcome. Good to see you all. Everyone should have received a bulletin when you came in today. Inside the bulletin, there is an outline. If you'll take that out at this time, we're going to be looking at the subject. Well, we're just calling it a strategy for reducing stress. Now, notice I said reducing stress, not eliminating stress. Because once the stress in your life has been eliminated, so have you. So we're going to reduce it today, and Paul's going to give us a strategy for that. But everybody has stress. I mean, some of you are already feeling the holiday stress. Next week is Thanksgiving week, and then Christmas will be upon us soon, and then the new year, can you believe 2018 is already right around the corner? And so, if you're going to learn to enjoy the rest of your life, and the abundant life that Jesus talked about, we're going to have to learn how to deal with this thing called stress. And Paul in Philippians chapter 4, 4-8, to 8, gives us some really good stress relievers. Uh, let's take a look at what Paul had to say about stress. In Philippians 4, 4, he says, May you always be joyful in your life in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. You may have heard that earlier today. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, that's the way most of us remember it. But it's talking about a joyful life. And I look at those words, and I think sometimes, if you're like me, is that even possible? Is it possible to rejoice always? And um, then I start thinking, well, it is the Word of God. And it was the Apostle Paul that said to do it, He's not going to tell us to do something that we cannot do. And you say, yeah, but that's the Apostle Paul. That's not me. you want to know where the Apostle Paul wrote these words from? A prison cell awaiting execution by Nero. Ooh, that puts it in perspective, doesn't it? And if he could write these words, my problems and troubles seem so trivial. So let's look at the stress relievers that Paul has for us today this first step is worry about nothing philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says this do not be anxious about anything all right look at me here for a moment this has got to be the hardest passage in the bible to obey You try not being anxious when you just found out that your wife's water is broken and she's going to deliver a 10-week premature baby today. And you're in an ambulance on your way to Miller Children's Hospital and you haven't even named the kid yet, right? Now, I'm reading this verse, Do not be anxious about anything. Does that include that? Well, I think it does. But it's hard, isn't it? Have any of you experienced this in your life? A loved one that you care for who is about to have surgery. And uh, you've probably experienced this before. You're in the room waiting for them to come. Uh, You say, we better have a prayer because they're going to be here any minute. And you lead a prayer like, Dear Heavenly Father, bless my loved one today because they're having surgery, and would you guide the hands of the doctors, and may every doctor, nurse, technician, uh, everyone tended to my loved one's care do exactly the right thing, and exactly the right way, and give us the right result, and may this surgery go completely well, and may they have a full and complete recovery, and a speedy one at that. You've done stuff like that, right? And then you turn around, and just about that time you finish the prayer, there they are. Hey, we're ready to get you. And they put you on the gurney and they start taking you down the hall. And they'll allow you to walk alongside your loved one down the hall, then to the left. And at the hospital that we were at, there's some double doors. And then they say, You can't go any further than this because that's the OR. And you give them one last kiss goodbye, and they go through the door, and you're waving, and then those doors shut. Have you ever experienced something like this? It is a very sad, lonely feeling. And you feel very, very helpless. You know why? Because there's not another thing you can do, it's out of your hands. Now, let me let you in on a little insight about God. It's at times when you're helpless that God does his best work God has you right where he wants you and that's when his power shows up that's his job what's our job don't be anxious about anything when you're helpless God does his best work I I read this definition this past week about worry look on the board with me It's it's a good definition it's assuming responsibility that God never intended for me to have See, this is for God. God says, cast it on me. And when I take on that responsibility, what am I doing? I am playing God. And God said, there's only one God. It's the first commandment. And I should be first place in your life. And so, if I'm God, you're not. So quit worrying. Because it's not going to do you any good. It won't add one second to your life. Uh, Dr. Walter Cavert did a study on worry. And you know what he discovered? He discovered these things right here. Look at these statistics. In his study on worry, he discovered that 40% of the stuff you worry about will never happen. Just right out of the gate. It's almost half. 30% of your concerns that you guys have, it's about the past. Now, can you do anything about the past? You can't go back in time. It's gone. It's done. It's over. And then another 12% are needless worries about health. You have a cough. (coughs) must be pneumonia. You know, headache, oh, brain tumor, I'm sure of it. You know, I mean, we worry about things that never really going to happen. And then number 10, insignificant petty issues. Oh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up and I got to do the turkey and got to clean the house. And oh, is the carpet cleaner going to get here in time? And everyone's coming out. You know what? If the carpet doesn't get clean, you're still going to have a good Thanksgiving, all right? It's petty. It doesn't really matter all that much. He discovered that only about 8% of your concerns are legitimate. Only about 8%. And even those you can't do anything about. Not really. I mean, if there is something you can do something about, then do it. The Bible does say, watch and what? Pray. But you're not anxious, you're not worried, you're not uptight about it. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 6, verse 34. These are Jesus' words. Therefore... Wherever you see a therefore in the Bible, you know what you've got to do. You need to stop and say, well, what went before? I mean, if he's going to give me a therefore, what did he just say before? He just started saying, stop worrying, folks. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. You know, uh, Solomon and all his glory wouldn't have read like one of these flowers. And look at the birds of the heaven, consider them, do they... Worry about what they're going to eat, yet your heavenly father takes care of little birdies, and if he takes care of little birdies, he's going to take care of you. Now, therefore, see the context? Isn't context good? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Anyone want to give a testimony this morning about your troubles? You know, so don't worry about tomorrow's troubles. Today's got enough, but we're not even to worry about our troubles today because God is going to handle that I think the long and the short of what Jesus is saying is worry can't change the past it can't control the future about the only thing worry does is mess up your today right so don't do that here's the insight insight number one in order to relieve stress live one day at a time ever been to an AA meeting uh we, we, we've had them here at our church. And then uh, I think we did something called Celebrate Recovery. And we now have Gideon groups, uh, Redeemed, different things like that. And, and I've gone and encouraged uh, the, the men and women. And I used to be, every Friday night, we'd have a, a celebration together. And we'd sing together and we'd pray together. And, uh, and, and if you were to talk to somebody in AA and you were to say something like, hey, are you going to drink tomorrow? You know the answer you'll get? I don't know. But I'm not today. I like that, don't you? I'm not worried about tomorrow. I just know what I'm not doing today. And then when tomorrow comes, you ask Him the same question. I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm not today. You see how that goes? That's Jesus. That's, Jesus. that's Bible. He's got a bunch of good stuff in it that's biblical and that's right. And it's the words of Jesus. And so step one, worry about nothing. Step two, pray about everything. And by the way, let me give you just a quick 30-second commercial. January 2018, we're going to do something called 40 Days of Prayer. In the English and Spanish services, Mike's going to be preaching the same messages over there on prayer for six weeks. I'm going to be preaching them over here. We're all going to have the same material in our growth groups. I know some of you meet on Sunday nights, some Sunday afternoons, some during the week. But we're all going to be on the same page. I want to start 2018 prayed up as a church. And so that's what we're going to do next year. That's the commercial. But let's go ahead and take on this point. If we're not to worry about anything, then he says we're to pray about everything. And I I like that word everything because sometimes people think God is only interested in the religious stuff. Are God's only interested in the big stuff? I'll talk to people sometimes. They're telling me about a problem they have. Oh, have you prayed about it? Oh no, I don't want to bother God with that. Like he, like well, what do you say? You don't think He's interested in that? How, how big does it have to be before you bother God? As if you could bother God? Ah, uh, you parents. You ever pick your kids up from school and you say, "How was your day?" And what do they say? Fine. At least my kid did. Well, tell me about it. I mean, you know, what'd you do? What'd you study? Did you have a test? How'd you do on the test? What'd you do at recess? And and you got to kind of pull it out of them. I think God is like that with us. I mean, talk to me. He has to pull it out of us. God is interested... In the minutia of your life. Because parents, aren't you interested in the very little, tiniest details of your children's lives? And don't you love it when they open up and they start talking to you and sharing with you? To this day, I call my son once or twice a week, and he calls me once or twice a week, and maybe an email or two along the way. And I like to hear the good, the bad, the ugly, the good stuff, the bad, everything. Even if it's a tiny little thing. Well, God's the same way with His kids. So talk to Him about it. It doesn't have to be this big, big thing, spiritual thing, religious thing. It can be anything. Because my Bible says, another verse there, everything. You see the everything? And then it says, by prayer and petition. You go, well, I get that prayer thing, but what's that petition thing? A petition is simply a specific prayer Request. Cell phone rings, it's my sister. Hello. This is a number of years ago. Mom had a massive stroke. She's at such and such hospital. Get there as fast as you can, and I'm in San Diego. So I've got a couple of hours to get to this hospital, and guess what? I'm praying. Not Lord, bless my day, bless my week. You know, bless the upcoming uh, series or what? No. God help my mom right now. I didn't listen to the radio, I didn't do anything for two hours, but a special petition specifically for my mother. Do you see the difference between prayer and petition? Prayer can be general about a lot, a number of different things, but a petition is a specific. Prayer requests, focusing in on one thing that you need. And you do it with thanksgiving. That's how you present your request to God, with a thanksgiving heart. You know, most people pray too general. God bless my life. Right? I mean, how many times have you said that? You know, let me just get through my prayers. God bless my life. Okay, great. Well, what part of your life do you want blessed? Well, how about if. You wake up in the morning. You say, "God, I have got a job interview at nine o'clock this morning. Would you help me with that interview? Would you help it so I don't get my tang tangled up? I mean, my tongue tangled up. See, Lord, look what I'm doing. I want to go in there and speak right, say it right, do it right. I need your help right now." And you're praying. When you get up, you're praying on your way to the interview, and just before you go into the door for the interview, a a quick flare prayer. Get specific, folks. God is interested in specific prayers. He's a God of details. Did you know that no two thumbprints alike? The iris, the eyeball, no two alike. Snowflakes, of the trillions and jillions of snowflakes that have fallen on this planet, no two exactly alike. He's a God of details. Voice prints are different. He's a God of details. And if God is big enough to handle those details, He's big enough to handle the details in your life. I haven't got one amen this morning. Let me say that. Let me say that again. If God is big enough to handle the details in a snowflake, is He big enough to handle the details in your life? Amen. All right. She hard audience today. Were you up late last night? But we're all on the same page now. Now that i got your attention, let's look at what Peter has to say. 1 Peter 5.7, he says to unload something. Uh, I think the NIV says to cast. It's a burden. It's a pressure. When you're under pressure, you pray. And that pressure, if you hang on to it, you begin to lean over. He says, cast that burden on me. Just put it down. Cast it down. Give it to God. Uh, You might think of it as a fishing term. You ever cast a a line out into the water and you're out fishing? You go, go, man, you really got it out there far. Okay, God, it's yours. Boom, it's yours. But then you wait and you wait, and all of a sudden, I wonder if he's still there on the other line. You wheel it in a little bit and you reel it, and before long, you got it back. If you cast it, he's saying, cast it and leave it. Because that's what I'm there for. Unload your burdens on me. Prayer is a tremendous safety valve. It is a tremendous pressure release. Sometimes I'll go 30 times a day praying the same prayer saying, I need you, I need you, I need you. I'm not going to make it. It's a good release. A life insurance company did a study. And you know what they found out? That people who attend... Church service, at least once a week, live 5.7 years longer than those that don't. Look at there. You've already got 5.7 years of your life because you showed up today. Isn't that good news? Because what are we doing at church? We're praying. We're, pre- we're, 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 we're fellowshipping. We're communing. We're eating that meal with the Lord called the Lord's Supper. His body is... His blood. And we're getting nourishment. And we're getting strength from the Word. Here's the insight. Point number two. There is no problem that is too big for God's power or too small for God's concern. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Number three. Thank God in all things. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this. First of all, with thanksgiving. I like the good news version of this. Go ahead. The Good News Version says, always asking him with a thankful heart. So you're asking him, but it's with a thankful heart. Next Sunday is what we call our Thanksgiving Sunday. And um, on Thanksgiving Sunday, it's the one Sunday a year I allow you to come up and share things that you're thankful for. And we're going to tell the story briefly because you're going to do most of the the talking next week. But I do like to read that passage that talks about ten lepers that Jesus healed And how many of them got healed out of the ten? Ten out of ten. But how many went back with a thankful heart and thanked the Lord? Just one. And I'm looking at this pathetic Thanksgiving tree up here with no leaves on it. And I think a few weeks ago, didn't didn't I show you a picture? Do we have a picture? Is this where I wanted you to put the picture? Maybe not. Yeah, I'd like the picture there. Put the blessing tree up there. That's what it looked like. And and, and I asked... uh, Cheyenne, I says, said, would you go take all those off? I want new leaves. And I said, hey, after the service, you know, Cheyenne has put some leaves over here, and there's some pens over there, and some double sticky tape. Write what you're thankful on, and let's fill our, leaf, our tree up with leaves again. So before you leave today, do that. And then next week, when you come with a thankful, grateful heart, do that. It's just a good reminder and a way to see how thankful our church. It's a good visual. The healthiest human beings are healthy emotionally because they show gratitude. It's one of the healthiest emotions that you can show. It actually increases your immune system. Did you know that when you're grateful? Ungrateful people tend to be unhappy people. Depression is focusing on your problems. But when you're grateful, it gets your focus off your problems and puts them on your blessings. And so develop an attitude of a grateful heart. And if you do, you can watch your stress levels go down and you can watch your health levels go up. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says this, give thanks in all circumstances. And aren't you glad it says in and not for? I capitalize those two words because I want them to stand out. He's not saying if something bad happens to you and your church in Sutherland springs texas that you're thankful for that mess i'm not but in that mess god can do good i'm hearing the blessings that are taking place and how the community's coming together and how the churches are praying for one another and helping one another god can cause all things to work together for good i'm not thankful that my wife got cancer but in that, she's been able to minister to people that she would never be able to minister to had she not had that. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Uh, this past week, I attended uh, a pastor's conference at APU with a number of uh, the church elders. And uh, Johnny Erickson Santata was there. I don't know if you know her story, but she's now 68 years old. But 50 years ago, when she was a teenager... She dove into some shallow water, not realizing it, and ended up breaking her neck and ended up a quadriplegic. Now for the rest of her life. And then she described what it was like just to get ready to meet with like a thousand pastors. I don't know how many were there, but I would guess that many. And talk to us that morning. So she described a typical day in her life. First of all, the wake up, the sponge bath, Uh, Getting out of bed, the bathroom, the toiletries, the the, the, brush teeth, brush hair. And then, but much more complicated than that. You're getting the picture, right? And she says, sometimes I just sit and daydream and think about heaven. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God for special dispensation. When I get my new glorified body, and I've got hands I can use and feet that I can stand on, And there when I'm holding the hand of Jesus, I'm going to ask him if I could bring this wheelchair with me. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm not thankful for that wheelchair, but I'm thankful in that wheelchair because that wheelchair gave me so many open door opportunities to preach about your love and your care. And you know, countless thousands of people are going to be in heaven because of that wheelchair. I'm thankful in it, and now God, you can cast it into hell. That's what you said. That's so funny. What an attitude, huh? I know some of you are going, man. I've got. When I think about what some people do for Christ, my problems seem so small. But you know what? Even your small problems, God cares about. So don't th- don't dismiss those. That story's not to say, oh wow, what what do I got to complain about? No, you are you, and you are who God made you. Use your gifts, talents, and abilities for the Lord. And then when those occasions come that aren't great, even in that, God can use it. In all circumstances. Not for all circumstances. So here's the insight, number three. There is always something to be grateful for. And now our final point this morning. Think about the right things. So, you don't worry about anything. You pray about everything. You're thankful for all things. And then finally, think about the right things. In other words, we need to be careful what we put into this gray matter between our ears. What are you thinking about? We were made to be plugged into God's power. But we can clutter up our lives with all kinds of worry, stresses, and junk that when God tries to bless us, He can't even get in there because our minds are already so cluttered up with other stuff. There's no room, and so therefore we're tired and we're worried and we're stressed out. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you, it's that He can't bless you because your heart and your mind are already already filled up. Let me explain. My father, over the years, when we were growing up, bought several new cars, and not one single time did he ever park it in our double car garage do you know why it was already filled up with other stuff now what a garage is made for to put your car in now i will admit some of the stuff in that garage was good stuff and we needed that stuff but there was a whole lot of clutter and a whole lot of junk and i would guess that that what's true of our garage growing up was probably true of you there's some good stuff and there's some clutter And then there's some junk that you just don't need. Amen? And God's saying, God bless my new year. 2018's coming. And God's saying, well, it's time to declutter. Let's get decluttered so we're ready for 40 days of prayer when 2018 hits us. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, it's not enough to declutter. It's not enough to get something out of your life. Remember the demon-possessed man? he Cast those demons out, and he says, now, you better fill that back up with some good stuff, or when they come back, they're going to come back sevenfold. So it's not enough to get rid of some things, you got to add some things. And so Paul will say in four eight, finally, brothers, he's about to wind down, and so is this sermon, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. He gave you eight things right there that you can be thankful for and think about. So you declutter and you fill it up with good stuff. And if you're watching stuff that's not good, time to change the channel. He said, "Well, Bruce, I don't know. I don't know how to do that." Yes, you do. If you can use a remote, you can do this. You know, my wife and I sometimes will watch a movie and we'll start it. And you you get anything? Nah. Do you really like this? Nah. Change the channel. Well, you know what? When movies start playing in your mind that are not good, change the channel. If you can use a remote, you can change the channel of your mind. Be careful what you put in your mind because what you put in G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out, it's going to affect your life. And so be careful. And so here's the final insight. Whatever I think about is what I am becoming. So, if you don't like the way your life is headed, change the direction of your thoughts. That's where it begins. And what will the result be? Uh, A quiet, two things. A quiet heart and a peaceful mind. A quiet heart and peaceful thoughts. Verse 7. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. And it's a peace that passes all understanding which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. People all over the world are looking for peace in all the wrong places. Man, Jesus offers it. But they'll try pills, or they'll try fads, or they'll try some new therapy, or crystals, or CDs, or, books or Dr. Phil, or whatever. And God says, man, I've got your peace ready, able, and willing. I want to give it to you as a free gift. It's a gift that can't be explained. It's a gift that can't be duplicated. It's a gift that can't be fabricated. It's comes from God Himself. It's in Christ Jesus. Well, how do I maintain that kind of peace? Notice it says, as as you trust in Christ Jesus. There's a trust factor here. See, Paul's not talking about a religion. Religion can't save you, and religion cannot bring you peace. But a relationship with Jesus Christ can do both. You see that? He's not talking about religion. Religion never saved anybody. And then he says, His peace will keep your thoughts. See that word keep? I capitalized it because uh, it's an interesting Greek word. It's actually a military term. It's a word for garrison. It's um, a deployment of soldiers. And Philippi, to whom Paul was writing, was a Roman colony. And he knew that they would understand the implications of this word. It was the Roman legion that kept the peace in Philippi. And so he uses that word to say, God can keep the peace in your mind and in your heart as you trust Him. And so instead of worrying about everything, you can pray about everything and have god's garrison guarding your heart do you want it today will you receive it today let's ask for god's help today would you bow with me in prayer heavenly father we need you we acknowledge you we got people here that are stressed out and worried about all kinds of things what's got you worried this morning is it your finances? Is it your future? You know, the future's the number one worry that people have. Is it the economy? Is it a career change? Is it a health issue? Is it a, a relationship issue? Are you having issues with your kids? What's got you worried today? What makes you anxious? What raises your stress level? You know, God's alternative to dealing with stress is to unload or to cast your cares upon Him. See, friends, if He carried your sins on the cross, He can carry your stress in the present. But you got to worry about nothing, pray about everything, be thankful in all things, and finally think about the right things. And may we do that this week. In Jesus' name, Amen.